Man, this is just an emotional morning for me. Um, you know, being in that baptismal tank with my daughter, Anna, wow, just, uh, and you know, just a few couple of years ago with Riley, too, I just, uh, man, <laughs> you know what? This generation has a touch of the Lord upon it. And I, I believe that it's not just my kids, it's not just the school's kids. I mean, there's something about this generation that is so talented and that is so gifted. I believe the Lord is coming soon, and so it would make sense that this generation would be anointed. I know you're praying for your kids, but more than ever before, we need to be doubling down on our prayers for our children because there is something about them that the Lord is going to do mighty things through them for the glory of his name. Amen. So speaking of that, I want to invite my oldest daughter, Riley, to come join me on the platform. We're going to be reading about the armor of God this morning, and I've asked her to come and read the passage out of Ephesians chapter 6. Let's give my daughter Riley a hand. All right, good morning. Okay, Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day that you've given us this ability to come together. Um, I just pray that you would set a fire in Bethesda, that you would awaken something new inside of us, God, that you would just stir within us, Lord, that we would be made new like never before, God. So we come before you today and um, just be with us, Lord, and we do it all to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Riley. Amen. You know, this morning I, I want to do something a little bit different. As I was asking the Lord just weeks ago about this morning, I just, I felt like the Lord said, I just want you to open up your heart and bring Bethesda into your prayer closet. And I, I said to the Lord, you know, Lord, that, that prayer closet is for me only. <laughs> um, but I felt like the Lord said, I, I, want, I want you to do that. And so what I want you to do is I want you to preach and I want you to pray all throughout the message. And so I said, okay, Lord, we can do that. And let me just tell you a little bit about um, this particular passage. Many months ago, the Lord really began to convict me about, Stephen, how often are you putting on the armor of God? And I said, apparently not enough, Lord. And, and so I, I just began to, to make it a daily thing. That in my, my prayer closet with the Lord, whenever there were those moments that I could just be away with him, where I could just spend hours alone with the Lord, just saying, Lord, part of what I want to do here is I just want to open up my heart. I want to pray your word, and I want to ask you to wash me and cleanse me. And having bathed me, I want to just go through these pieces of the armor and ask you to put them on me. And so what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to walk through with you putting on the armor of God, sharing a couple of nuggets about them as we go, but certainly praying them through at the same time. 
I'm going to do it a little bit different than the order that is given in the scriptures because this is how I actually handle it when I'm at home praying. I want to start with my head. I want to move to my feet. I want to talk about my breastplate. I want to talk about the belt of truth. And if we have time, I want to get to the sword and to the shield and praying in the Holy Spirit. And so let's, let's just jump in. I, I want to I give you some background on this passage. You know, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians from prison. And so as he's writing this epistle, it would have been very clear to him um, seeing these Roman elite guards moving around all the time. And so he would have seen their, the things that they were wearing. He would have seen their armor. And for him, it's not something that scares him. It's something that actually inspires him because he sees in their armor something that the church of Jesus Christ is also wearing. He sees something that individual believers are wearing who become victorious warriors for Christ Jesus. And so he begins to talk about it. It's not the first time he does it. Uh, Pastor Dan shared a couple of weeks ago about the great procession out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And there again, Paul seeing something, knowing about something, how these generals who'd come back after great, con after great conquest, that there was this incredible procession that took place in Rome. And Paul looks upon that and he writes about it saying, this is the church. These are believers in Jesus Christ who have overcome. We're coming in with Jesus and glory and victory. And so this is something that, that Paul would have done. I want you to think about the word armor of God before we move forward. It is a word that if you've been in church for any amount of time, that phrase goes in one ear and it goes right out the other ear. Because it's just a word that we've heard over and over so many times. So this morning, I want you to think about it as the armor of the Father. The armor of the Father. When you look at what the armor of God is, it could be actually translated, it could actually be applied to different things. It could, number one, be this. You are putting on the armor that the Lord God himself wears. Or it could be you are putting on that which the Father has provided and purchased for you. Either way, those are powerful things, and they remind us that there is a God in heaven who loves us, who cares about us, who wants to protect us and draw us near to himself. And so this morning, I want to just open up my heart and walk through these things with you if I can. The very first thing in my prayer closet that I begin to pray about is the helmet of salvation. And I know that for Paul, he would have seen the soldiers wearing the helmet as he's in prison. The helmet speaks about a couple of different things. Number one, it, it speaks about protection, protection for your head. Number two, it speaks to identification. Everybody would have known what the feathery crest meant. It was a declaration on top of the Roman's uh, helmet that said, we are the Roman Empire. Paul, looking at that, says, you know, the helmet of salvation isn't just for our protection. It is a declaration to the unseen world that we belong to Jesus. Now, you have to know that our mind is a battlefield. You've got to know that there's all kind of wars going on between our ears, which is why we put on the helmet of salvation. And I remember my dad talking about salvation in terms of healthiness. And I remember him saying something like this. This is salvation. It affects the past, the present, and the future. We have been saved 
praise the Lord, from our, our guilt and our condemnation. That is the gift of salvation as far as our past is concerned. We are being saved. There is a work that is taking place progressively through us, which is the present. And we have hope of salvation, where the final purchase and plan of salvation is worked out. This is our justification. It is our sanctification. It is our glorification. Amen. It allows us to have a mind that can move forward healthy and strong. Now, we have this battle with our mind. And it can be all kinds of things. And let me give you a couple of examples. You can be smiling on the outside. But man, on the inside, your brain is just absolutely assassinating the people that you're around. I remember, I think it may have been Pastor Vic, told me about a situation that he heard between two couples, I mean, between a couple that had been married about 30, 40 years. I mean, just a tremendous testimony to their commitment to the marriage. And the question came up to them, did you ever consider divorce? They kind of smiled and maybe looked at each other. And one of them said, no, we never considered divorce, but murder, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it's just a battle that's taking place in your mind. I mean, it can be all kinds of things. The enemy can come in and say, well, what if this, what if this, what if this, what if this? And all of them are condemning. All of them are accusatory. And yet, because we have the helmet of salvation, we can say, what if not in the name of Jesus? And so there are all these things that go on in our brain, in our mind. But we have the helmet of salvation that covers us. And when I'm in my prayer closet before the Lord, And Lord, I just humble myself before you this morning underneath the mighty hand of God. And Lord Jesus, you are holy as we sang. And Lord, your presence has come and it dwells among us here this morning. But Lord Jesus, I ask you this morning, would you wash me in the blood of Jesus? Would you wash us and cleanse us in the precious flow that Lord, we may be able to put on the helmet of salvation that, Lord, that you would guard our minds in Christ Jesus, that, Lord, that you would take every captive, every thought captive that would try to raise itself against the knowledge of God, that I could walk in your healthiness of your great salvation, that, Lord Jesus, I would not be earthly-minded, but indeed I would be heavenly-minded, that, Lord, you would open my eyes and my mind for wisdom and understanding that I might know you more. In the name of Jesus. But it's not just the helmet of salvation. It's also the shoes of the gospel of peace. Wow, Paul would have seen the soldiers, and he would have seen their leather shoes with the leather strap, and he would have known that, you know, the purpose for them wearing these shoes, I mean, it wasn't the boots that we wear today. It was just leather with a leather strap. But still, the purpose of those shoes was something that went all the way back to Alexander the Great, and it was this, that they could move quicker, that with mobility as a weapon, they could go across the enemy field much more faster. But it was also more than that, it was protection. It was protection that as they were moving across the enemy's territory, that all those spikes that had been sown in the ground, that it would protect them from them. Because understand this, When we're walking along the road, the enemy wants to put spikes in the ground. 
He wants to maximize the amount of pain that comes into your life. He wants you to step on a spike and suddenly you're injured. And then he adds to injury, infection. And then he adds to the infection that you are suddenly completely ineffective in your Christian walk. How many of you know that God has a plan for your life? How many of you know that the devil has a plan for your life? See, this is where the battle begins to build up with our feet. God has a plan for our life, but this is the devil's plan. And it is a broad highway, friends. He wants to lead you in any direction except for the plan that God has for your life. He wants to misdirect you. He wants to mislead you. He wants to confuse you. Anything except walking in the plan that God has for your life. But some of you are still walking in the plan of God. And so one of the things he wants to do there, because you are suddenly a threat, you are suddenly a warrior, you are suddenly absolutely one of those who belongs to the Most High King, and you are walking along the path of God, he wants to sabotage that. That's why you have the spikes in the ground. If he could somehow wound you, somehow hurt you, somehow uh, cause you to be infected, that your walk becomes ineffective. This is what he's doing. But guess what? We have the gospel of peace that we get to wear daily. Now listen, I know there are a lot of passages that talk about peace and talk about the gospel of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this passage is unique in this way. It is about the ability to stand. It is a military description coming from Paul where he's like, because of the gospel of peace, not only can you stand, but you can move forward for the glory of God. And let me tell you this. It's not because of your circumstances. The peace of God is not based on your circumstances. It's based on the character, the nature, and the relationship we have with Father God. Oh, this is so encouraging to us that we have protection on our feet. Lord Jesus, again, as we come before you this morning, Lord, would you clothe us on our feet with the sandals of the gospel of peace. Thank you that it's your peace, it's your salvation, it's your power that fills, fills us. Lord Jesus, I know you have a path for every single one of us. Lord, would your word be a lamp and a light unto our feet and our pathway? Lord Jesus, would you take us by the hand and would you walk us, Lord Jesus, step by step in communion and unity with you, God? Lord Jesus, let there be nothing that would distract. Let there be nothing that would sabotage. But Lord, that we could fully and completely maximize the plan and purpose you have for our lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's not just the helmet. It's not just the gospel that we wear upon our feet. It's also the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, Jesus. So Paul in prison, he sees the Roman guard, and he sees this massive breastplate that they're wearing. But you got to know that Paul is seeing something else in that moment. What he is seeing in that moment is so much bigger than what he's seeing on the soldier. 
you got to know that what he's seeing in that moment is so massive. It's so fearsome. It's so fierce that it's greater than anything any army on earth could ever wear. What he's seeing in that moment is Isaiah 59. And what is Isaiah 59 but the description of the Redeemer of Zion coming forth? And he sees that this is the Redeemer of Zion. And why would he know that? Because it gives us a couple, Isaiah gives us a couple of pieces of the armor. But one of the pieces that he lays out clearly is that the Redeemer of Zion, that the captain of the host, that the overcoming one, the mighty one, the glorious one, it says he picks up and he puts on the breastplate of righteousness to fight. Now let me ask the obvious question for all of us. If the Redeemer of Zion, if the captain of the host is picking up and putting on the breastplate of righteousness to fight, how much more so do you think we need to be putting on the breastplate of righteousness to fight? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Stephen, my, my righteousness is like filthy rags. Mine too. But this is where the power of the blood of Jesus comes into play. Did you hear me? This is where the power of the blood of Jesus comes into play. Oh, friends, because of the cleansing flow, because of the blood of Jesus, there is power in the blood of Jesus. And let me tell you this, because of the blood of Jesus, you are no longer a slave to sin and dirty, filthy rags, but you are now a child of God, a son and daughter of the Most High King. You are a joint heir with Jesus. You are a priest and a king before the Most High God, and he has declared you righteous. You are righteous not because you're good enough. You're not righteous because you're smart enough or wealthy enough or influential enough. No, all of it is filthy rags. You are righteous because there's power in the blood of Jesus. That's why we begin to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you for the blood that was poured out at the cross. That Lord Jesus, because you paid the price for my sin, for my filthy rags, that Lord, I could be pure, I could be forgiven, I could be declared righteous to wear your armor. Oh Jesus, I know your armor. It covers my heart. And Lord, as Dr. Marty already shared, Lord, it's, it's out of our heart that the mouth speaks. Oh, Lord, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, that they would be pleasing and acceptable to you. My Lord, my rock, my strength, my redeemer. Oh, God, when I think about my heart and how often it's wicked and that, Lord, what flows out of it and the revelation from it are the words of my mouth, would you also wash my mouth? Lord, I'm aware that out of my mouth comes cursing and blessing, and it shouldn't be that way. But Lord, it's simply revealing what's here. And as you hide me behind your righteousness, protect my heart, protect my mouth. That Lord, nothing but edification for others and praise for you would proceed out of my mouth for the glory of your name.
So it's the helmet. It's the shoes. It's the breastplate. It's also the belt of truth. Now, the, the belt of truth wasn't exactly a weapon, per se. It was actually something that was used so that everything else could take place. What I mean by that is, you know, there was a lot of loose-fitting garments, not just for the soldiers, but for people day-to-day who were living. And what the belt would do is it would simply hitch everything up and secure it in place so that nobody would be tripping or stumbling over the loose garments. That's what truth does. Keeps you from stumbling. But listen, it's more than that. As soon as the soldiers had their loose uh, garments fitted and they could tie them all together, cinch it together with their belt, their hands were free to fight. They didn't have to worry about distractions or embarrassing moments. They knew that the belt was on tight and they could take up in their left hand the shield and they could take up in the right hand the sword and they could fight. The belt of truth sets you free, people, so that you can be and do what God has called you to be and do. I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones said once. He said, whenever you saw a Roman soldier with his belt on, you knew he was prepared to fight. Friends, we wear the belt of truth because we are ready to fight the good fight of Jesus Christ. Lord, that's why we come this morning and we ask you to put on the belt of truth. Lord, your word says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Lord, I want to walk in your truth. I want to walk in your freedom today. Lord Jesus, you yourself said that the Father is looking for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. I don't want to just walk in truth. I want to worship in truth, oh God, that the words that come out of my mouth and my heart from my soul, Lord Jesus, that it would be pleasing before you. Oh, Lord Jesus, you described the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. And this morning, like a belt, Holy Spirit, would you wrap yourself around me? Lord, would you just be like a blanket around me, oh God, that, Lord, I would have like a shield of favor around me because you said you do that for your righteous ones. Oh, God, I love you. I want to be armed with the armor of God that I could fight the good battle, that I could go stronger in my faith, that I could fulfill my days for the glory of God. So it's the helmet of salvation. It's the gospel on your feet. It's the breastplate of righteousness and it's the belt of truth. <laughs> it's also taking up this shield of faith. You know, it's really interesting because there are a couple of places where, where Paul is talking about the armor and he says, you need to pick it up. Now, <clears throat> You got to know as he's looking at the Romans, he sees that they're carrying this massive shield. This shield was a huge rectangular that went all the way down to where their knees were. It was a massive shield carried in their left hand. It also kind of curved a little bit around on both sides. And you know, it was also lightweight because it was built out of wood so that they could not only pick it up, but they could carry it while they were marching. Now hear this. You have a shield of faith, and it is massive. It's massive, and it's custom-made for you. 
And it will also deflect and quench every dart that is thrown at you. It's, it's not burdensome. It's light enough for you to take it up and to walk with it in your daily life as you walk through this world. Now understand that the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. He is going to throw all kinds of darts at you. Depression, discouragement, inflammatory desires. I mean, you just pick your list of fruits of the enemy. I mean, it's all right there. He is going to throw those things at you. Do you also know that he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour those who put their shields down, seeking to devour anyone that he can. He wants to eat you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to make you a meal of his own. But you have a massive shield, and it is the shield of faith. Friends, I've got good news for you. The Bible says that we're supposed to resist the devil and be steadfast in your faith. That you stand and you resist the devil, steadfast in your faith. Your faith gives you the power to stand against any wickedness, any force of darkness, any principality. Your shield of faith is that massive. It also says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why do you think he's going to flee from you? Well, it's not who you are. It's whose you are. Friends, we belong to the one who has overcome the world. The one who has crushed Satan, who has crushed sickness, and who has crushed sin. And I love how the Bible puts it. It says, this is our victory. Our faith. Our faith is our victory. And this is the one who overcomes the world. Those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This morning, your faith doesn't have to waver because he is the captain of the host. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus, and he loves you. He's for you. He's with you, and he's given you a massive shield. That is why we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this gift of faith. Father, you're always giving. You gave Jesus as a gift of salvation because you loved us. You sent your Holy Spirit to, be, to transform us and to activate us in the Great Commission because you loved us. You've given us a shield of faith and an entire armor because you love us. I want to say today by the power of the Holy Spirit, I love you too, Jesus. And I bless your holy name. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And I believe in my heart that you were dead, buried, and have been raised again for the glory of God. Fill me with your faith and your power. Activate me, Lord. No longer afraid of the darts, but Lord Jesus, fierce in my faith, bold, by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. So it's the helmet, it's the shoes, it's the breastplate, it's the belt, it is the shield. It is also the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, here again, he would have seen the Romans, he would have seen their sword, 
he would have seen the javelins, powerful weapons. But can I tell you this? This comes from the, you know, the file called Obvious. Your weapon, the Word of God, is infinitely more powerful than anything that's made here on planet Earth. You have the Word of God. And this is what the Bible says about it. That it's active, it's living. Did you know that? That the Word of God is alive, it's active, and it's a living? That means you're supposed to use it. It's piercing. Every division of soul and spirit, of mind. It's, I just forgot the verse, that's hilarious. But here's the thing. It's a discerner of our thoughts and the attentions of our heart. The Word of God is piercing. And it's not just piercing inside of us, it's also piercing everything outside of us. This is the power of the Word of God. I love this quote that my dad found many years ago, and this was the quote. He says, this is how you start with your weapon. You take what the Holy Spirit has given you, which is the Word of God, and you use it. This is why we read the Bible. This is why we memorize it, meditate on it, hide it in our heart. And especially, this is why we pray the word of God, because it is a weapon of power in our hands from our knees. It's why we pray, Lord Jesus. Oh, I want to know the word of God. Would you just fill my mind and my heart and my soul with your word? Hide it in my heart. Oh, Lord Jesus, just open up my heart to understand it. Open up my eyes to see it. Lord Jesus, just let it just so come alive in me that, Lord Jesus, nothing else would satisfy me, but I would delight in your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's powerful, it's active. And, Lord, like the shield, I take it and I pick it up today, that, Lord Jesus, I might not just stand, but I might move forward in the glory of God. Now, the, the little passage there wraps up like this. It talks about the helmet. It talks about the shoes. It talks about the breastplate and the belt. It talks about the shield, and it talks about the sword. And then it says this, praying always in the Holy Spirit. Now, there is... There is um, like seven different types of prayer that my dad did a whole series on. But I want to talk to you about praying in the Holy Spirit. Friends, it is obvious to me that we are not only supposed to put on the armor of God, but we are to continuously praying in the Holy Spirit. It's like one has to do with our protection and our identity, and the other one has to do with our spiritual vitality. When those two things come together, you are a victorious warrior. You are walking and growing in God and his grace, and there is power that flows through you because you represent the king. Now this morning, I just want to ask two questions. And I'm just, just trying to be honest with you today. I hope that you'll be honest this morning as well. I know you will. Two questions. One is for the lost, and one is for our family. Let me start with the lost. Do we have any prodigal sons this morning here at Bethesda Community Church? Is there anyone here this morning that you are far away from God? You have been 
deceived, if you will, by the devil. And you are walking far away from where you were created and intended to be. And you have been overwhelmed by heaviness. You've been overwhelmed by the cares of this world. And you are lost. You do not know how to get back to God. I'm here to tell you it comes through the blood of Jesus. That if you will just look to Jesus, he will save you. He will bring you back. And this morning, my heart burns for anybody who might be in this house, not just because an evangelist, but because I'm a part of this family of Bethesda. And so I would ask, is there anybody here? You know that you are miles away from God. You know that you know that you're just you're lost. You need a relationship with Jesus. You need to come back to him. His arms are wide open this morning. One side has grace. The other side has mercy. And if they're not stretched out this morning to pay the price all over again, they are stretched out to receive you as his VIP because he loves you. If you're here this morning and your heart is burning, you're like, I've got to make things right with God. I have to come and commit my life to Jesus. I need to turn completely away from where I'm going and move in another direction. If that is you, I want you to stand. If that is you this morning, would you stand? You know you've got to turn it around. You know you need to go the other direction. Would you stand? God loves you. This fierce warrior is calling for you. This champion of heaven wants you to himself. There could be others. If that is you, would you stand? You know that you need to come back to God. You know that you're a prodigal and you've been away long enough. You've been deceived by the enemy and you're like, enough of that. I'm going to walk with the Lord. Is there anyone else? Is there anybody else? Now is your moment. Your heart is just beating like fire. The Holy Spirit is just burning inside of you that there is a witness, that there is a testimony, that something is stirring. Man, you can smile and fool everybody else, but God sees your heart, and he's calling, he's drawing, he's pulling on your heart. I want to ask the pastors, if you will just stand with me for a second. The pastors, where are our pastors? People, if you're standing, I want you to find one of these men and women of God. And tell them what is stirring in your heart today. Because they are here to shepherd you. They love you. God bless you, young man. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Up in the balcony, God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. I love you all. This is the most important moment that you will ever make. Thank you, Jesus. Would everybody else stand with us now? Because I want to speak very quickly to our family. Talking to our family. Is there anybody here this morning? You're not feeling like a victorious, overcoming, mighty anointed warrior of God. Your experience right now seems to be, I am so beaten down. I don't even have strength to pick up a weapon, let alone use it or activate it. And you feel like you're overwhelmed by the things of this world overwhelmed by circumstances beyond your ability and you're just broken and you would just say I know that I I belong to Jesus but I keep hearing the enemy sending these darts that I'm a failure that I'm not measuring up that I'm not what I'm supposed to be man we raise up the shield together as a body of believers and say no more but if you're here this morning 
And you're like, I'm just beaten down. I'm just broken. I'm weak and I'm tired. And I just need the love of God just to refresh me. I need to be re-strengthened. Understand this. You're not the one fighting the battle. So quit trying. He's the one who fights the battles. He's the one who fights it for you because he loves you. Oh, that's why he gave you the armor to walk alongside of him. If that's you here this morning, Bethesda, and you're like, man, I just, I just need him to wrap his arms around me. I just need the strength and the fire. I just need the breath of God to breathe through me, to heal me, to encourage me. Man, if that is you, would you just raise your hand this morning? Yeah, hands all over the place. Pastor Dan, would you come? Keep your hands up. I want the pastor to see it. Pastor Dan is the shepherd and the general that God has given us here. And he prays for you. The whole staff prays for you. And they intercede on your behalf. And I just want him to see your hands because he's going to pray in a moment. But this is what I want to do right now. Let's all raise our hands. And let's just all begin to cry out to the Lord. Would you begin to use your voice? Would you begin to use your spirit? Would you begin to use your heart and begin to cry out to the Lord? Lord Jesus, here we are. And we know that you are the captain of the host, that you are the mighty warrior, that you are the Lord God Almighty. And we know that your character is holy. And we know that your nature is pure. And that we know that, Lord, we can trust you to fight our battles. That, Lord, we can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Lord Jesus, as you look upon your people today, would you encourage them? Would you strengthen them? Would you empower them? Lord, those who are sick, would you heal them? Those who are discouraged, would you encourage them? Lord, those who are mute, would you put a song in their mouth? Lord Jesus, release your fire, release your power, transform, make this a day of destiny in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you that you who have started a good work in us, that you will be faithful to complete it because you are the author and the finisher in Jesus' name.